Hello and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Tegal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Mark Quick, Executive Vice President of Corporate Development at Resifarm. I've had the pleasure of knowing Mark for around a decade and have watched him go from a BD role in a small Swedish CMO to becoming one of the key leaders in that business as it has transitioned into becoming one of the top global CDMO businesses where Mark has spearheaded much of the M&A activity. A graduate in industrial studies, Mark also did an MBA before joining Rusty Farm in 2006. It's only taken me six months to get Mark on the show as a guest, so I'm delighted to have him here. Hey, Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Raman. Pleased to pleased to be here eventually. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you're a, you're a busy man, so I, I appreciate you very much taking the time. And uh, I I suspect most of our listeners will know of Resi Farm, and, and maybe will have known of you having seen you at various uh, events and things like that. But I think just to start off with it, would be uh, really useful for the listener to get a feel for uh, for you and your background and how you ended up in the sector, uh, and also I suppose that journey into into doing what you do now at Resi Farm. Okay, Raman. So, um, yeah, as, as you said, I, I joined Restifarm in 2006 when we were about 600 employees. Um, so relatively small, get, you know, getting there as, a, as an organization, but relatively small and, and actually a very Scandinavian uh, business. I mean, Restifarm is, is based and it is a Swedish organization. Um, when I joined, I, I remember sitting through a number of uh, events where it was all in Swedish and my colleague would translate bits for me. So, so it's been quite a journey. Now we're almost 9,000 people. Um, we operate over 30 facilities across the world, actually, in Europe, Israel, India, and USA. And we're listed on the, the main stock exchange in, in, um, in, Scand- in, in Stockholm um, with sales of about $1.3 billion. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been quite a journey, and it's been great to be part of that. So if we if we get, if we go back to when I was at um, I, I left left uh, uh, university and actually joined ICI uh, in the chemicals industry, um, which was a great grounding. Uh, I did seven years with ICI um, and had four roles. Uh, got some fantastic training, but thought actually, do I want to be in this corporate life uh, of, of ICI and very comfortable and do, do I want that for the rest of my career and I thought no I, I need to sort of go somewhere else so I, I was looking around at industries and I thought well, actually pharmaceuticals looks to be an interesting place to, to work <laughs> um, so uh, chemicals had always been you know uh, difficulties in, in terms of recessions and very cyclical whereas pharmaceuticals I thought a bit more steady um, so I, I actually uh, um, applied for a role at Evans Medical at the time uh, in a supply chain role to try to put some processes, uh, forecasting processes actually, between sales and marketing group who used to sell whatever they, they wanted and the production group who were making vaccines um, and flu, flu vaccines, so quite topical at the moment. Um, and, and there was no mismatch and people were going out of stock and there was too much stock of other things. And really, they just needed to talk to each other. So, so I, I joined, joined um, uh, the company, um, put some processes in place and actually got them talking together. But then I was missing the commercial world um, that I had in, in ICI uh, where I'd been doing some sales activity. And, and at the time, they were starting to do some and it was a factory led initiative, but starting to do some. 
um, contract manufacturing um, activity, which um, I managed to get involved in and started as an account manager. And then we, we um, uh, worked my way through that, had some successes and actually um, started leading the, the, the team um, in, in, in the UK to uh, try, try to, to, to fill some of the, the factory capacity. So that was probably one of the earlier times of, of, of contract manufacturing. And what was your, so just at that point then, just to pause there, Mark, did, so was this, give us a, was this like early 2000s, 2005, this is pre, uh, was, pre obviously. Exactly, I'm, I'm showing my age a little bit here, but this is like, <laughs> uh, probably 97, so I've been in this industry almost, uh, well, 25 years, or coming up for 25 years or so. Um, so. And, then, and then when you joined, you mentioned before, I mean, what I think for any of the listeners who caught your introduction there around, 600 staff to 9,000 staff in in a period of 13, 14 years is is you know phenomenal <laughs> phenomenal growth. If if you re- rewind the clock back to 2006, would you ever have envisaged the company doing what it's done? Uh, and also, you know, I suppose linked to that as well, how your journey I suppose developed from from being in a in a business development role at Resi Farm to then actually. Uh, you know, getting more involved in, in M&A because I'm sure we, you know, I know we have a lot of commercial and business development people that listen to our podcast. So I'm sure they're all <laughs> intrigued to know how Mark <laughs> made, his, made his kind of steps up the, up the ladder. So if you're able to share some of that, that would be great. Sure. So, so actually I was, I was still with um, Evans Medical at the time or, or Mediva um, and, until 2006. So, so um, I, I decided that um, you know it, it got to, to, to 2006, and and um, this was essentially working on a, a single site business, and and um, we'd just been taken over by another company, and I thought actually I, I want to move move along to a new company, and and actually I'd tracked Resifarm, I'd, I'd sort of at, at trade shows, I'd, I'd spoken with with the guys there. And I could see that they've been really successful, and uh, particularly in Scandinavia. And you know, just had 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 a discussion with them. You know, would you be looking to to expand your your BD function? And 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 actually had a chat with with Thomas Eldred, who who's one of our founders uh, and actually the the CEO of the company. And I agreed with him that I I, I would join uh, Resi Farm to do business development actually outside of Scandinavia. One of the things that he 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 was clearly wanting to do was to to grow the company um, through M and A. They'd done a number of transactions and carve outs, particularly with AstraZeneca already. And um, I'd actually just done an MBA at the time and and thought oh, M and A sounds quite a sexy area to be involved in and. And, um, you know, that, that again, I asked if I could be involved in that. And, and Thomas said, yeah, absolutely. No problems, you know, you, you, you know, to, to be involved in that activity. So so I joined Resifarm. Um, again, I, I had some some good successes, actually, with in, in terms of bringing in some, some business. Uh, you know, I was, I was very lucky. It, it sort of gave me a good grounding in the company and then started to work on some of the transactions um, which, which we were looking at. Um, and um, then we, as we did more of this, I, I actually moved full time into to working with M&A. And did you all, I suppose at that point, Mark, did you know a lot of the strategy, the future strategy was going to be very M&A led? Or was, you know, at that point in time, was it, you know, we'll, we'll buy a couple of uh, sites or a couple of companies or was there a roadmap ahead of you know, ultimately getting to almost 10,000 staff? Was that even in the, the thought process you know, back, back then? 
I, I think there was a, a desire certainly to, uh, or, or there was a strong uh, desire to grow and build something. Um, and again, that's a, again, one of our, our, the key things about our company is very entrepreneurial. I don't think we, you know, the strategy wasn't there that we would, you know, we, we had that, that map mapped out exactly how we would do it. Um, but, but um, certainly there was a desire to, to be somebody and, and grow, grow this industry and grow this business. I mean, at the time, actually, uh, Recipe Farm was known as Recipe, and and it was two. There were two parts to the business. One was actually an own products business. Um, the other part was actually the the contract manufacturing business. Both were successful and were doing, um, you, you know, doing well. Uh, but actually, in two thousand and seven, it was decided that we, you know, we we need resources for both of these businesses, and we can't we can't do both. So, so actually, the own products business um, uh, was actually sold, and that that timing was perfect. It was just before the the, the financial crash came along, um, so um, there was a good. There was, it, it, it fetched a very good price, and that really gave us the resources to to expand the business and, and go and do more uh, M and A transactions. I mean, Resi Farm, we've we've grown strongly through. Um, through acquisitions, but we've also grown strongly through organic activity as well. Um, I mean, off the top of your head, I know there's been, just to give people some context, how many M&A deals have you been involved with in that time period, uh, you know, for, for Resi Farm? So, so I, I counted it up, actually, um, <laughs> just prior to coming on, because I thought you might ask me this. <laughs> You're so prepared. You're so thorough, Mark. That's what I love about you. <laughs> and and I, I, I've, I've, I've worked on lead 20-plus um, transactions, which is, uh, you know, and that, that's probably across 25 sites, because some of those deals included, you know, multi-site deals. So um, that, you know, it's, it's been a fantastic journey. The, the, I remember in at the end of 2014, just after we'd done our stock market listing, um, we we did a transaction at the end of October, one at the end of November, and one at the end of December. So, wow. so it, it it's been quite heavy, and, and you know that's that's obviously not just me; it's a team of people who who work on this. Um, but I thought you'd I thought it was just you to be honest with you, Mark. I thought you did it all. <laughs> no, and, not. And, and, and those and those transactions have been all over the world, right? They're not just all in all, all in Europe. Yeah mainly in europe but also also in india as well um which was was a, a challenge in itself and and we've made acquisitions in in israel as well as in um in, in the us and m a in the particularly in the cdmo space is an incredibly topical and fascinating part of the market and uh, you guys have been central to that i suppose increasing trend uh, in in the sector so I suppose what what made you good at that you know that that particular role? What was it about um, you know your within your skill set that you know I am in a joke like your thoroughness. <laughs> you always strike me as being a very thorough person, and I'm guessing that might be part of uh, part of your makeup and why you why Thomas saw that in you. But what has it been like in terms of because um, I imagine when you're doing these transactions, there's so many people involved. What what do you bring to the table? That's I suppose your your real superpower that, that helps you get these transactions kind of developed and, and over the line? I mean, like most things, I think in business, it's, it, it, it's people. And um, I, I try and invest as much as I can in my relationships. 
um you know and 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 i i spend time working on my relationships with with, with people and i think that that's been the, the the key key thing and and one of my my uh, I, one of the things which I, I feel I'm strong at is is actually building good relationships so that um, people like to do business with me and uh, you know and and I I think that's so important in in, in business life actually is that you know you you, you need to be um, you need to be respect and one of the ways you get respect is is, is through your relationships. No, that's it. I mean that's such a I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's such an undervalued part of part of business, and and I'm sure there are so many lessons that you have learned from you know the twenty plus transactions. And I'm intrigued to know you know when you you know when you get these opportunities, and particularly when you go to site, do you have a gut feel instantly whether it's a yes or no? I'm just <laughs> genuinely fascinated. Having never bought a company in my life, I kind of. I, mean, I, I envisage you go on site and you'll either get a feel. I mean, me personally, I think I'd get a feel for it or not. Is that is that too basic or is that a big part of what ultimately becomes? No, I'd say that. Say, well, man, that's a huge part of it. Actually, does this feel right? And and again, you can you can you get this through the people. And often, when you you go to a site, you meet um, for the first time. You meet a management team who are are being sold potentially you know their their existing company is saying you know we, we don't want you anymore um <laughs> it, it, you know it's a little bit blunt that but but that, that, yeah. that that's how they, they they can feel so so that they're going through a number of emotions you know some people see this as a fantastic opportunity some people are very nervous because they're going into the unknown so so again it's important to 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 recognize that and and understand it um and to a certain extent you will get you know these people are likely to be your colleagues in in the future so actually um investing in those relationships if it's over lunch or whatever you 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 um you know it, it it's well invested you you'll get a mu you'll get much more information from them again we're we're in very decentralized organization so so when we buy a company we don't have a massive team of people to go in and 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 say this is how you do it these are the people who need to to, to deliver it going forward so this is a way of of, of getting a, a good feel about the people as well so so again it's back to relationships and, and building those is it and that point there mark is a really uh, intriguing one do you think that's been some of the secret of Rusty farm's success that approach to be relatively hands-off when it comes to to the site and because i've seen the opposite side as well where companies will buy um, you know, divested big pharma sites or they'll buy other companies and they'll not necessarily suffocate them, but this idea of you need to become us, you need to become part of us. And I get that actually from a, particularly from an internal communications and marketing perspective, but Resty Farm's approach has been uh, slightly more hands-off. Is that, is that a fair observation? And, and, and if so, why, why has that worked for you? Why has that, I suppose, enabled those sites to, to continue to perform so well? So, so if we, if you think about this entrepreneur, you know, the, um, our um, actually our chairman, Las Pakistan, as well as Thomas, they're both serial entrepreneurs, um, and and I think it kind of stems from that. And one of our core values is actually entrepreneurship. Um, when when we when we go, uh, uh, you know, particularly when we've we've taken a big pharma uh, site, um, one of the first things, you know, first questions we get is is you know, where do I, I'm doing all of these KPIs, where do I send them to? I said, we're not, you know, 
we, we think that there's a few important KPIs. So obviously the financials are important and, and a service level is important. But apart from that, um, you know, the KPIs are there, there for you to run the business. Yeah, we, we're not going to set, collect a lot of KPIs centrally and compare, et cetera. You know, you, it's your, your business. How are you going to, you know, if those, those KPIs are useful for your, your business, then you collect them. But if you're just collecting them just to send somewhere, you know, stop that. That's, that's wasteful. Um, so um, generally speaking, the, the management teams, they thrive in, in, in this environment because they, they, they ha they've had the shackles removed from them and they, they're, they're in charge of their own P&L, whereas pr previously they were probably a cost center and always looking to, to um, you know, uh, you know headcount numbers and everything. Don't get me wrong, cost is important, but it's actually profit at the end of the day, which is important in, in our world. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that, and I, I can imagine that the feeling of, um, I suppose, given that freedom to an accountability to actually go and go and run the site and run the business and make the most of it must be uh, an incredibly different um, experience for a lot of these people, particularly if they've been in a big pharma site. It's a, it's a massive culture shock, <laughs> I suspect, to go from one to the other. And, and on the, on, you mentioned values there, and, and I just mentioned the word culture. I mean, for anyone that's worked in the sector and been to CPHI, uh, you know, and, you know, ironically, we're recording this at the time that CPHI 2020 <laughs> should have been. One thing I think, I think everyone probably knows is when you go, you can spot the Resi Farm stand a mile off because you have uh, all of your staff wearing these uh, gorgeous bluey green scarves and ties. And there's something very vibrant and, and radiant about the culture. So I'd, I'd be really useful to just talk about the culture at Resi Farm. And, I, and I've had the fortune of spending time with people at Resi Farm, actually in different sites, uh, both in the US and in Europe. And there's an incredible consistency between how these people come across. So if you could talk a little bit about culture and, and how you guys manage to do that, because at the scale you guys operate, um, I admire that so much about the business. It's, it's amazing, quite frankly. Um, so any, any secrets to how, how you guys are able to, to do that? I'm I'm starting to sound a little bit like a, a record, but but I think it's again it, it's people and and um, I think one of the the key differentiators of, of Resifarm is actually our, our culture and the and the way we we treat our people. I mean, we're, we're Swedish in Sweden. I I I don't know if if you're aware, but but actually there is um, a very strong um, sense that everybody should have their say and have an opinion on on something and it be listened to actually. So, so I think that that comes through. People feel secure and 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 uh, believe they have a voice in the company. And you know, we try our, our best actually to you know listen to to what what people say and 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 take that on board. I think I think we have a, a tremendous amount of loyalty um, in the company. And and you know, I, I often say about myself that if if you were to cut me through, you you probably see Resi Farms. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think there's there's quite a few people within in the in the company and and um, you know it, it's around around behaving in the, in the right way and, and 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 getting the you know that develops I think the the, the culture uh, and our values again entrepreneurship being one reliability being another professionalism another one and then the final one tenacity actually don't 
don't give up don't don't just go and you know don't don't make the same mistakes every t- uh, every time but but instead of if you can't get get over the wall can you get around the wall can you get under the wall so t- tenacity is a really important thing and and i think this this kind of comes through thanks for sharing that and the values it's i mean i love the word tenacity i mean we we in our business have you know the word scrappy which is not a million miles away uh, from exactly what you what you described there which i think is such an important uh, characteristic of, of your team. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. And I just wanted to kind of circle back to, I suppose you as a as a leader in, in the business and um, you've talked a lot actually about relationships and people and is, you know, has that been, I suppose, some of the secret of your success as a business leader? I mean, you're, you know, in the top echelon of a company of the size of Resifarm. What leadership lessons have you learned, uh, you know, along the way? And what things are you mindful of doing with your team, uh, I suppose, to, in, in the spirit of just being the best best possible leader you can? Yeah, I, I, again, I I, um, I try to, to treat everybody w- with, with respect. I mean, it, again, it go, goes back to... In 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 when when I, when I was doing business development, and I always made a point of actually talking to to the the receptionist because they they will have a, have a view on something, um and and so, so so it's really trying to you know treat people as you would expect to be treated. So, um that's one of the things that I've I've always you know I've always tried to engender. I, I think you know everyone's opinion is value valuable. Um, there's a lot of discussion about diversity at the moment. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, people do have different views and, and different views are good and, and we should embrace those. And, and I think from different views, you get different ways of doing things. So, so again, trying to, to understand that and, and listen from that. And, and I always try to meet as many people as possible because you never know where it's going to lead. You know, you, you may, may meet or, or talk to somebody who you think actually this is going to go nowhere, but but something can come out of it. So so that's another of the things that that I I try and do. Don't always get it right, but but yeah. I try to do that. It's a, it's honestly, Mark, it's such an interesting point, and it's one of the reasons. I mean, obviously not at the minute, but whenever I go on an aeroplane or whenever I um, get a taxi or anything like that, I try my best to stay off my phone. And the reason being it is it's just always fascinating to have conversations with with random people and kind of embracing that, that serendipity of life and actually you just never know where opportunities come from so I think uh, I mean I couldn't agree with you more and and you know, if you could go back and give your 25 uh, year old self uh, some advice what what would you say to them um what would I say to them I I think probably um choose your battles you don't actually have to win everything i mean i i'm i'm, I'm pretty competitive and <laughs> I, know, I know 25 years ago when i in longer there were some things which i thought yeah i didn't need to win that battle and it probably didn't help me in the long run this is you know um life's a war and uh, there are some battles which you, you don't always need to need to win that's particularly the case when i was uh an aggressive um, uh, purchasing guy trying to just batter down my my suppliers. So, <laughs> um, I have some sympathy there, and and I think probably what would I tell my kids is you know they're 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 at the age where they're they're on the you know the beginning of, of their career, and you know that like I was really trying to to move forward at a fast rate, 
um, you know, life's long and you, you're at work a long time and some broadening is actually good. So don't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to be, be um, visibly moving forward. You, you, you know, if you're doing something um, which is broadening, you are moving forward. You don't, you know, so, so I think that's probably something else that I would, um, I would tell myself then. One of the, one of the phrases I've heard since I've lived in the US that you hear a lot is, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. And that, that choosing your battles is a really interesting one because it's kind of like you get so um, <laughs> so annoyed or so bothered about the, the daftest things. And it is about just choosing your battles and actually where, where your attention kind of goes. So that's a, that's a really interesting point. And, and how would your best friend describe you in three words, Mark? How would they describe me? Um, I think loyal. I'm, I'm really loyal if I commit to do something or, or, or commit um, to somebody, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be very loyal. Um, reliable as well. Um, I hate missing. If I, if, if I miss a deadline, if I'm late for everything, I really hate that. I hate failing, actually. Um, so that would be one of them. And and I am competitive. I, I, I do like to, I do like to win or, or get a good deal. So I think they're probably the three words that, that would uh, they would use. Just on on the competitive stuff, and I know you work for a listed company, so I'm, I suspect you can't necessarily name names or anything like that. But have you have you been in a situation in an M and A deal where you didn't get a, a site or a business that you really wanted? Has that happened in your experience? And how how did that feel? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it happens all the time. Actually, <laughs> 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 or it has happened. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's opportunities which we've missed out on for for various reasons, but. Um, yeah and yeah but it's part of the territory i think you know you can't you can't win everything so yeah have to take it on the chin i'm afraid and what what type of people do you meet and i'm, and I'm, I'm kind of shifting towards back towards the sector actually the last kind of five to ten minutes um at the interview i want to talk to you about i suppose the sector at the minute but you know going back to the m a activity and how a deal is structured and how it all comes together what are the parties get involved in and what does that what challenges does that bring so for example if you guys are buying say a facility from um a big pharma company which are the i'm sure there are a lot of consultants and finance type folks that get involved as well what is that what does that look like in terms of um if you can give people kind of a, a if you can paint the picture yeah. yeah 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 so so um i mean we we've got a a really good system now because because built up from experience there's a there's a group of us in in the the company who have, have worked on um several several deals so we we typically have a, a project manager who's really coordinating us all and then we have um a lot of the due diligence is actually done internally so so we have things like hr um, operations finance quality um, health and safety environment so uh, you know and a, a commercial um, party so, so so it's really a very much a matrix team approach um, we have some external advisors as well particularly on the legal side of things and sometimes on the financial side depending on how complex it is that group um, w- would interrogate the material which we're, we're giving be given access to ask questions um, IT is a very important one as well, actually. And then we would form a, a, a view. We would then make make an offer. Um, hopefully that 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 is accepted. And then we would work on on hammering out the the, the deal with with the company. Um, there could be several iterations before we get to that point in time. 
but but it's really a, a group of people assessing a business, uh, really looking for, you know, what are the red flags here? What do we need to protect ourselves again against? And what are the opportunities? So so that's really how we how we work. So there are a number of, of consultants taking the lead side. Uh, that's so fascinating to kind of hear what you the kind of red flags and opportunities piece that you yeah. you look for. And do you it, do you guys identify potential? You, you know, you got, are you guys always scouring the market looking for yeah. companies that would be always? Or is there is an element where they land on your lap and they're brought to you? I'm guessing it's a combination of both. Yeah, I I I, I um. I think a lot of my time actually spent networking with the source of these deals. So, so a lot of the, the the banks have have groups who are they're always trying to create a deal somewhere and and, and looking for, for for potential um uh targets for us. So so we 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 would network with with the banks, network with the pharma companies. There are a number of boutique advisors actually who specialize in the, in this space. And we would would constantly talk talk to them. We also um, would look at you know companies which we see would be quite a good fit for us, um, and and you know meet with them just for for a discussion. Is there any way we can collaborate? And you know that those those deals are probably um, the best in many ways because then they're not in an auction process, so you've got much more control over it. Because mo- most um, processes are, are, are auction processes where you're, you're not in as much control. I, I think another interesting thing is is that there are two types of of, of seller as well. There's the a big pharma um, companies who you know are, are looking to outsource but they don't need the the asset anymore they don't want the asset but they want to outsource so, so they they enter into an agreement to outsource and, and actually the the asset comes with it um where that's more you know they're, they're more interested in the um the partner um is this a reliable partner can they they create a business here can they bring new new activity in the site to control our costs in the long term Whereas there's the the more the private equity type owners who you know they're they're actually looking to maximise the value. I'm not saying it, value isn't important in in the um the the, the big pharma carve outs, but but actually the, you know that they're, they're as interested in the, the the partner. Can the partner deliver this? Is it a safe pair of hands? Yeah, and most of and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but most of Resi Farms' activity over the years has been the former uh, in terms of the. The, the, I suppose the the, the far big pharma carve outs. That's where you've had most of your um, acquisitions and success. Or maybe I maybe I maybe that's. No, not- I think it, I, I think it, it's both. I think think we we've we've we're known for doing um, um, the big big pharma carve outs. But for example, the most recent one, um, Consort, um, that was very much a, a competitor. You know, we have there have been a number of those over the years in Portugal, in Italy, our business in Portugal, Italy, the, the Indian one as well. So, so I, I, you know, there's there's a combination of both. Is one easier than the other? Different. I think they're very different. <laughs> um, I, I think with a with the with the um, the, the 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 asset backed um, manufacturing agreement or carve out, I think it's much. You know, there there are different challenges there because you're taking a business from a which has traditionally been a cost center and you're trying to create a, a profitable business out of, out of that. So they need to, to put in new processes to handle customers. They've, they've, they've you know, only been dealing with, 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 with their own internal customer previously. So that, that's, that's the challenge there. But whereas the, the, the competitor, they've got systems already running. So it's almost much more plug and play, I would say. Okay, I wanted to spend the last five minutes talking about the industry 
uh, I suppose more generally, Mark, and, and I suppose uh, at a very top um, top level view, what big shifts in trends are you guys seeing um, going in the industry right now? And obviously, COVID's a big a big factor in that. And if you're able to talk a little bit about how Resi Farm's been impacted, and um, uh, you know, at the time of the recording, there was also a, an interesting release about a vaccine. Uh, deal that Resi Farm has just done as well with a with a client, which is exciting. So, yeah, be just yeah, you know, wax lyrical about the sector because I know <laughs> how much you how much you love the sector that we operate in. So, uh, yeah, so anything that you might be that you think might be insightful for for our listeners. Yeah, I mean, if we start with COVID, I, I think COVID's had um, uh, a significant effect on 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 life in general for everybody. Um, but we've been through a number of phases, I think, with, with COVID. Um, you know, we, we've just done our console acquisition at the, um, you know, towards the beginning of the year when it when it hit. And we also had, a, or we have a lot of operations in, in, in India and, uh, and Italy, um, which were both quite in the news about how, how terrible things were there. In fairness, um, you know, our operations fared extremely well, in, uh, particularly in, in Italy, which was, was really the epicenter, I think, of the, the first wave. Um, we were right in the middle of, of uh, all that, but the factories kept, carried on running. It had, but having said that, um, it had quite a negative impact from a perception perspective. And, you know, our, our, our share price did take some um, hammering there. But then, actually, we we had some um, demand, some good demand for the products which which we make, which which actually, um, you know, so so I would say overall, COVID has, from a business perspective, has been quite positive from a you know in in the financials part of this. We're seeing now opportunities in the short term of of, of manufacturing, not only for vaccines, which you mentioned one just that, that we announced um, the other day, but but also in in therapeutics as well. And I, I think the other thing is that um, sterile demand. Uh, everybody wants to, to to fill vaccines at the moment, so there's actually a lot of demand for sterile um, capacity. Now that doesn't matter if you're actually filling the vaccine or or you're um, you, you you've got that that capacity because it, it it's, it's really been taken up. So so I think it's it's actually pretty positive actually, uh, for us this at the moment. What's what's driving that demand for steroids, Mark? And beyond, I suppose, just COVID-related vaccines. Is that is that just a continuing trend globally that you're seeing? You know, a greater demand for steroids, or and I know there's there's a lot of sites that have shut over the last few years as well. It's just might not be the same level of supply in the market as well. Yeah, I think I, I think um, uh, I think I think there's a supply a supply effect. I mean, at the moment, the demand for for vaccines is is, is strong and, and therefore for sterile demand. But yeah, you're right. I think there's there's quite a few CDMOs out there who maybe not invested at the level that they should have done in their their manufacturing. Um, you know that that's starting to to hit to hit them with sterile issues uh, and, and capacity being taken out that way so i think it, it is actually a fairly in demand uh, area but actually more products um you know are, are coming through the newer products um tend, tend to, to be in sterile presentations so that that will drive demand as well yeah and in terms of um i suppose we've, we've discussed a lot of uh, m a related things do you do you see the m a slowing down in the next couple of years in the sector because it's it's just been so frenetic in the last uh, few years and there's been some very high profile 
you know, <laughs> multi-billion dollar deals with the likes of, of Thermo. And uh, do you see it continuing or do you see any sign of a slowdown? Maybe COVID will have an impact on finance. Do you, do, can you give any insight into what you think will happen in the next few years? I, I don't see it slowing down personally. I think this industry is still not mature. Um, it's still fragmented. There are, there are many different players around and 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 it's ripe for, for consolidation there's there's a lot of interest from investment companies private, private equity companies trying to to build platforms to to grow and, and consolidate it so so i i don't personally see it slowing um it's a, there's a strong demand for for these services you know and and, and covid i think has shown us that 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 you know, people still get sick and they still need drugs. Um, so, so pharma companies um, will still be around and, and need to need to produce those. So, so I, I personally don't see this slowing in the next few years because it, there's so much consolidation to do. And what's next for Resi Farm? And I'm, you know, conscious you're a globally listed company, so you can't give away uh, all of your kind of inside secrets. But at a very general level, what is the next? Uh, you know, 18 months look like for, for Resi Farm, I suspect all your sites will continue to be busy and, and you'll continue to grow. Is that a, is that a fair reflection? Yeah, I, I, we, we will. And I think one of the important things to do is, is to make sure we, we integrate the consort acquisition. You know, that's making really good progress and ensuring we, we deliver the, the synergies which we've, we've, we've committed to. Um, and we're on a good course, course there. But also to, to actually, you know, the, the consult acquisition was really to try to um, bring the pharma expertise that Resifarm had with the device expertise that that the consort had and actually bring those two things together to give a, a greater offering to to our customers um, be that in inhalation or auto injectors so so that that's that's our our plan um, I'm sure we will, you know, we, we, we have some gaps from both a capability and a geographical perspective. We, we would like to be stronger in the US or have more assets in the US, the largest farmer market in the world. So we will continue to look for, for the right assets there to, to, to acquire. And, you know, we, we, we have some gaps in terms of our um, activities. I don't think we necessarily need uh, more scale with, with, I think we're comfortably now a top five in the top five CDMOs, things that really add add to our offering. That's great. And my final question, Mark, is um, if you if you could make one change to the sector that we operate, what what would it be? What would it be? Uh, um, I would like to um, see, and it, it, you could maybe maybe say it's more innovation, but but it but it, it it's it's actually. Be less conservative. Mm -hmm. um, I think as a, an industry, the pharma industry is, is actually very, very conservative, doesn't like to change things and and um, in the right way. And I don't mean compliance, health and safety, etc. But but take a few more risks, actually. You know, after, often we get a customer comes to us and, and they actually want to manage what we we're doing and they want to recreate their their outsource you know what they they've previously done in our, our facility and say no you're, you're actually outsourcing let us let us handle this we're taking a problem away from you so so i think i would like to see more more trust and and maybe more innovation less conservatism that's a great place to end our conversation, Mark. It's been, I'm so glad I finally got you on because um, I think in particular, you know, lifting the lid on 
the M&A piece and giving people an insight into what's a relatively hidden area. Um, not not in terms of you know press releases and, and media, but actually what goes on behind the scenes. So I think for me personally, I found that really interesting. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for being a guest on Molecule to Market. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Ramon. So thank you for that. Stay safe. Thanks, Mark. again thanks so much for tuning in to molecule to market we hope you enjoyed today's episode you can find more shows on spotify apple podcast or wherever you like to listen get in touch with us on our website molecule to marketpod.com and follow us on linkedin or twitter and we will see you again next week Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.